Is this the dagger? Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block and the sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! You know what? You got spunk. Well, I hate spunk. Good day, everybody. It's the Outsiders. It's Bryn Griffiths, Robin Brownlee, and joining us right off the top is Rod Peterson in Regina. Gentlemen, how are you today? Outstanding. Very well. Now, obviously, we have uh, Robin in his home studio. Rod, where are you today? I am uh, in the car outside my studio, uh, so I thought that my car would give us the nice uh, sound quality, and I hope that's the case. Uh, No, you sound absolutely sensational. Well, let's get right to one of the big CFL stories here over the past week, and that is what's happening in Edmonton with the elk and the COVID situation. Rod, what's your take on it before Robin and I chime in? Uh, several. I was surprised it took until week four. I didn't have Edmonton on my bingo card. I actually had Hamilton to be the first team with an outbreak. So you won. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Um, I think that the other thing is I'd like to know how it happened. And I haven't heard any details on that. Maybe you guys can enlighten me. A lot of talk here on this CFL hotbed that we're in is how did it happen? They must have been at a team party. How was this not um, police by the um, powers that be and authorities of the Edmonton Elks. There's very little details come out. And uh, my other take on that is, I guess, several days after the news broke, we heard that they had gotten to 84% uh, vaccination. Well, the league mandate was 85 or else you would have lost the game and the players wouldn't have been paid. So why has that not happened? So unfortunately, I don't think the CFL could have counted on the high amount of players that don't want to get vaccinated. I think they assumed they all would. I did. They haven't. And here we are. And I think this is going to end with the Elks losing the game. I really do. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because we were told right, right up front before the season even started that if this situation occurred, that uh, that the game would be forfeited. It would end up being a one nothing victory for whoever had the forfeit go their direction. Yet there's been nothing from the Canadian Football League in terms of it's like they feel like going to reschedule this game. Well, that I was under the impression that was never going to happen. You guys, Robin, do you want to start with that one? Well, uh, you know, I'm with Rod. Just to follow up what he said first, Bryn. We are not hearing anything from, you can't have 14, I guess it's 13 cases because one proved to be a a false positive, it turns out. But how do you have one club with 14 or 13 cases? Uh, Where is the league on that? And where, frankly, where is the team in terms of honesty on that? What what happened? Was this... uh, uh, a party somewhere of, and what about the vaccination that's a question to me too you, you're just now approaching you know 80 plus percent vaccination i mean i get it that it's a, a personal choice uh in 
broader society. But in more cases now, whether it's to work here or do that there, you need to be vaccinated. I'm just dumbfounded by the way it's been handled at the league and here with the Eskimo at the team level. Rod, what about you? Um, I'm just waiting for details. I'm, st- <laughs> I'm, st- I guess if they get to Wednesday with no positive cases, they're practicing and we will have a Labor Day classic in Calgary on Monday, which is what we're all praying for. But there's just too many questions. And I hate to be that guy and say, this is very CFL ish, but it, it kind of is when you look at the Toronto Argonauts, completely different topic, but you know, everybody's saying they're way over the salary cap and they say, how can they do that? Well, two years ago, if you recall, Ambrosi said the commissioner will look the other way and we're not going to find them. Yeah. Like, why should we be surprised that any of this is happening? The the thing that, oh man, we're, we are backtracking a little bit here because we were talking about this in the winter about the fact that the CFL tends to just do things quietly and they don't kind of tell their fan base where they're going and where they're at. And I found this last couple of weeks to be very, very frustrating. I don't think I'm the only one that looks at it and feels that way. But I know one thing. I just want them to get it fixed because the whole thing has kind of soured me in the last 10 days to the point where I didn't watch a single game this weekend. Rod, that's not good. When guys like me are not watching the product, that is not good. Right, and I'm trying to focus on the positive, and I watch little bits of all the games and all of what I'm calling Canada's Game of the Week on Sunday, the Calgary Winnipeg game which frankly is what the cfl wants us to do and just remember the fact that that was a classic cfl finish between winnipeg and Calgary, and they want to distract us from what's actually going on and let's remember tennessee titans played a whale of a preseason game on sunday without their coach mike vrabel it's not just a cfl thing i just think there's a lot more transparency in the nhl and nfl and i think they do owe the fans because they're asking us to buy tickets some explanations on these things and they just don't feel the need to Rod, are there any storylines beyond the umbrella of COVID and the pandemic that uh, interest you? Obviously, COVID is the big one, but I'm wondering about uh, Paul Apolis, uh, uh his situation, uh, Andrew Harris back. Uh, you know, uh, you got an MVP back in the fold. Any Anything grab your eye? Oh, yeah, there are several, and great timing, Robin, with the question, because that was the basis of my commentary today in a couple of radio stations. Who would have thought the Calgary Stampeders would turn their season around without Bo Levi Mitchell? That's that's the one. Like, I was stunned that this rookie's come in, set a Stampeders record for uh, consecutive completions, and I wasn't ready to write the epitaph for the Stamps when they were 0-2, but holy smoke, so that's been an interesting story. Ottawa hasn't scored an offensive touchdown in three games. So you're right. With the offensive ju- uh, genius of Paul Lapolice, that's a bit of a head-scratcher. But, gentlemen, every season you've been following the CFL longer than me. It takes a few weeks for things to shake into order, and I think that's kind of what's happened here. The Hamilton Tiger Cats proved Friday night in Montreal. They are who we thought they were. They won the game with big plays, and they made a change at quarterback, and Dane Evans won that one for them so as far as the football goes which i've just made a decision the past few weeks that's where i'm going to (laughs) stay because it just feels better um the games have been decent and we're kind of rounding into order with the way we thought it would be it's funny you should say that because i've heard a lot of fans bitching and whining about the fact that it's turning into the field field goal league and and you're right defenses usually rule the roost for the first three or four weeks and then the offenses get it figured out a little bit. And then all of a sudden we start to see the touchdowns on the board. 
to me, this is just a natural progression of the way the league has always been. Guys, do you want to jump in on that? Go ahead, Robin. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, it is the natural way that things generally go if you look season to season. Uh, the, the, the curious thing for me is uh, what plays into the offensive issues early is, uh, as Rod said, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, Mike Riley looking like he was uh, uh, pretty, uh, you know, playing pretty gingerly to start the year. Uh, the defense is going to have an edge early, and they're going to have an edge early, especially when some of the best quarterbacks in the league are either out completely or not 100%. I think the tough thing, too, is from a player's perspective, is you look at the rookie for the Bombers, Mark Leggio. Guys, this is why we love sports. New names, pressure situations. Who was Mark Leggio? And he kicks the game-winning field goal for Winnipeg after his first miss was called back because of a penalty. Do you think I didn't have flashbacks there? Uh, yeah. The 2009 Grey Cup? <laughs> so we are – but Justin Medlock had to move on and get on with his life because he had a family to feed. And here we are. We as a CFL fan base have moved on. And you think about those guys whose careers ended because of COVID. But you know what? That's something that the players have to deal with, and I'm helping certain players through that because it is difficult. We've, we have kind of – Moved on that way. And I guess, you know, we're on the cusp here of Labor Day Classic weekend. And everybody, listen, last week people were saying, Rod, can we preview the Labor Day Classic? I said, there's still games ahead of that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how jacked they are here. And it's the 3-1 Blue Bombers against the 3-0 Riders for CFL Supremacy for one week. And then it's Stampeders and Elks. And it's Argos and Ticats. So people are starting to... Um, Get excited, but I know I see you have a point, Brent, but I'll just say this. I, I would like you guys' take on this. The empty seats in Winnipeg was pointed out to me again last night, and I have got trained during the pandemic to only see watch what's going on on the ice or the field of play. I'm not really looking in the crowd anymore. So that's the one issue. There's people that are always going to find something to pick at. Well, and attendance is one that people like to yeah. discuss. Well, and let's get to that in a second, but there's one thing, and I was thinking about this on the drive into the studio today. And it was a year ago that we had Chris Cuthbert on and we were talking about the Labor Day and not having a Labor Day or a Labor Day weekend without CFL games. And it just seems so real at that point. But it just seems that this time around, we've got so fast to Labor Day and there's really no true momentum. Although you did point out you got a three and one team against a three and O team. So you in Regina have got a game to look forward to. I don't know about the rest of the league, but it just seems like we've got to Labor Day so fast and there's really been no hate or any team get on a on a true offensive, uh, I guess, groove. This is just going to be a, a... I'm really looking forward to the weekend to see whether or not the, uh, the cream is going to truly rise here. Robin, do you see it like that at all? Well, I tell you what, and, and you know, sometimes I even laugh at myself how set in my ways I can become my I'm still out of sorts uh, my timing on everything is still off it's like Labor Day classic of uh, stamps Eskimos didn't we just start well actually we did just start and that's the difference I'm, I I guess I've got to get up to speed uh, you know with the timing of everything I mean I'm not obstinate I'm not doing it on purpose it just uh we're that that flow that the CFL season has been, whether you're in Saskatchewan, uh, whether you're in Hamilton, out here in Alberta, obviously 
uh, Calgary and and Edmonton. It's just not there for me. I'm not. Uh, it, it it doesn't feel like it should be time for what we used to call the real start of the season out here. Rod, what's up? Amazing comments by Robin, and I think you can see me chuckling, Brent, at yeah. them. I think Robin speaks for the average Canadian. I really do. I mean, I – and listen, I'm trying to casually follow the CFL. I'm, I'm doing a talk show like you guys where we have an eye on the NFL, the NHL. You know, But the CFL keeps sucking me in. It's like the godfather thing. Um, <laughs> I'm going to throw that out. Is this the unofficial kickoff? That's funny, Robin. Uh, and maybe it is. <laughs> you know, but I – the rate, the TV ratings will tell you – that the Canadians have missed the CFL. Yes. You know, they're up 30% from two years ago. And I was the guy that was saying, no, it's not absence makes the heart grow fonder. It's actually out of sight, out of mind. And that might actually be wrong. And if you want to get into, which I don't think you do, the path of financial success for the CFL, it will go through TV ratings. Like I've seen these debates about, oh no, we shouldn't be celebrating high ratings. We should be celebrating selling tickets because that's where the money's made. No, for a hundred years, it's been proven. That's not the future of the CFL. It's through TV ratings and betting and sponsorship. So to be honest, the ratings are up and that's only a good thing. I mean, you can, you're either going forwards or you're going backwards and that's pretty good news for the CFL this year. Okay. Now let's get into the attendance thing. I'm, I'm really kind of ignoring it for the most part because I know a lot of the ballparks have got restrictions on how many fans they can put in there so i don't want to get too panicky over twelve thousand five hundred in montreal numbers like that i think there was fifteen thousand in ottawa i don't know if we're getting the full accurate count on that kind of stuff but but robin you and i were talking before we brought roddy in here this morning about the fact that look at these attendance numbers i just don't want to get too jacked up or too excited about it i might by the time we get to october but uh your thoughts on, on what we've been looking at here this morning you know We've said for a long time, Rod just touched on it. Well, it's a gate-driven league. And yeah, gate money matters. But if you talk about the road forward, you need eyeballs on the game one way or another. And right now, if TV ratings are up, the numbers being off, well, they're going to affect concession sales and the souvenir end of things uh, I tell you what as we stagger back into this season after so much time off the uh, TV numbers are, are a beacon out there because that hasn't always been strong and if it's weak when the live gates are weak because of restrictions or any other reason then you're really screwed at least they've got uh, a revenue stream that is uh, positive and some good news right now Rod, are you panicky on these uh, these numbers coming in? Yeah, listen, that's why I said I'm only casually following the CFL. I don't work in it anymore. I'm actually stunned they're playing. I'm 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 stunned they're playing. I, I don't know how they are, right? So I think that Robin makes great points about all those traditional revenue streams, but have we not, in the last year and a half, as a society, moved to purchasing things online? Like those yeah. Edmonton Elks merchandise line are gorgeous gorgeous you're not going to have people in your venue buying things as much as you were before they're buying them online so i think the teams need to move further to that but that's their problem like i had a guy right into my show from toronto the other day and said rod what are two or three things the cfl needs to do to mark i said i don't care because for 20 years i was pushing them on things and they didn't want to hear it then why would i care now 
So I'm enjoying the games and I am thoroughly enjoying the games. How they choose to market their product is entirely up to them. And apparently they're doing a great job because as I said, ratings are up 30%. So this Elks thing is not a tempest in a teapot with the COVID breakout. It's a huge deal. But I think as we saw it in the NFL and NHL, they will come hell or high water, find a way to get that game in or die trying and I don't know why that is, because they're not going to make millions off of it. But I'm, I'm frankly just enjoying watching. What's going on on the inside? I really have no idea. I don't really care. and But I'm applauding them that they're pulling this off this far. I really am. I got to say, just a quick aside, and we can get back on track. It won't be popular here. I can't stand, I can't stand Edmonton's helmets. I think that antler is the lamest thing since... I, I, I the don't LA know. Rams. It's a sticker that actually goes over part of the holes <laughs> in the helmet. It's like it was done in a grade 11 graphics class at Harry Ainley High School. Hey, 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 that's something. my alma mater. Come on. Uh, Oh, I did. I didn't know that. Um, but, I mean, I love the merch. I love the colors. I like the logo, but. The helmet is lame. I want to walk up to one of them and try and peel off the sticker. And another thing that gets me while I'm bitching here, the stickers aren't put on properly. If you took a downward shot of all the players in the huddle, you won't find two helmets that look the same. The sticker placement is off, fellas. Wow. The sticker placement is off. Hope you're not losing sleep over that, Robin. Wow. <laughs> Hey, Roddy, before we let you go, and we know we're chewing into your production your production time here this morning, but are you, you're t- it sounds to me, like, are you taking a lot of heat online from, from people based on what you say? Because you've always, you've always said how you feel. You're passionate about what you think. And I know it's really tough sometimes when people are hammering you. Are you finding right now you're in a bit of a negative groove with, with everybody? No, because I'm ignoring all of it. And by the way, I agree with those helmets I can take or leave. They, they look like a Christmas uh, concert thing. Yeah, like I just, they're like reindeer. Yeah. So I'm with Robin. Robin, I'm with you. At least there's two of us. And then as far as the negativity, I've been handling that for 30 years. I don't care about that. But I think what's probably not good for people that don't want to know what I have to say is I don't really care anymore. And I had, I had a CFL Hall of Famer that I talked to last week that we kind of he got really upset on the, on the vaccination topic. And I just said, I, what happened was I said, isn't it a shame that these players in Edmonton won't get vaccinated and is causing this delay. And he said, well, what's the shame is the teams are making the players take a vaccination. It's an infringement of human rights. Blah, 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 blah. He went off. And I'm, oh, like, yeah. I know, I, I'm done. I can't, I can't. Yeah. So whether it's the XFL stuff, which you and I were privy to inside information as to how serious that was, and then the CFL pulls the curtain back or whatever, he pulls the rug out and it's over, and then people are saying, oh, you're an idiot, you're an idiot. I'm like, you know what? Covering this league has never been easy, and they're making it damn near impossible right now. As for so, the XFL I'm thing, kinda, we'll talk yeah. again in December. Yeah, I'm just kind of over it, Bryn. That's where I'm at right now. If I get it back, that'd be great. If I don't, I don't. Hey, we have a, a gentleman coming up right after you here in a couple of moments, Mike Morale, uh, who is the chief executive officer of the Canadian Elite Basketball League. You've already had him on your show. How was he? One of the greatest guys you'll ever want to meet and pr- probably the best commissioner in pro sport right now, and that is a fact. Hmm. 
Well, we're looking cool. forward to chatting with him. We'll let you go because you got another big show. How do people see you? How can they get in touch with you? Live daily Game Plus TV network. Check your cable carrier in Alberta. Telesoptic TV has it on Game Plus television. Sailing that Facebook and YouTube live daily at 10 a.m. Mountain. So just uh, punch that into your search engine. Thanks, guys. Good seeing you, Robin. The Outsiders is brought to you by the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. Well, as expected, things did slow down on the real estate front in the Metro Edmonton market over the summer. That's no big surprise. We all kind of knew that was coming. Brent's been saying it for months. However, things do tend to pick up a little bit in September and October before we get into the winter months. Hate to bring that up, but after all, it is toward the end of August, so we got to start thinking about it. But if you're finding that your household is a little on the small side right now and your current family roster is growing, then now's a good time to track them down. Give them a call at the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City, and they can assist you with the sale of your pick or your purchase of your next superstar. You can find them at 780-464-0075 or mcintoshgroup.ca if you want to send them an email, and they would love to chat with you. They can get the process going with a complimentary evaluation of your current home. No obligation, no deadline for this offer, but don't let the market pass you by. It's been really quite strong this year. They're very happy with the way things have gone, both buyers and sellers. Anyway, get a hold of Brent or any of his team members at the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. Joining us on the outside is a graduate of Cardinal Newman Secondary School. I would have to say that you've done exceptionally well and that they should be very proud of you, Mike. Well, well thank you. Just for graduating, you mean. Uh, sure. That's a, that's a, yeah. <laughs> Mike Morali joining us. He is the CEO of the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Robin, I'm going to throw out the first question because it's a good one. Well, it's funny because I think it still applies either way. When I first heard of the of the league and Mike Morreale involvement in it, I thought, what the heck is a former sports writer from New Jersey uh, doing running a basketball? I get that a lot. Mike, yeah, I mean, Mike's uh, working at NHL.com. He was always in Jersey. I'd My, my days as a the beat writer with the Edmonton Oilers, we'd roll in there. Mike was always a friendly guy. But I tell you what, Mike, it still applies. What does a former – CFL player, uh, what's he doing uh, at the head of this uh, basketball league, which, by the way, for some editorial comment, I think has been terrific from the get-go. Well, well, thank you for that. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I get this question a lot, if you might <laughs> imagine, because uh, my road to get here is, is different than most. So uh, I always thought that I would be involved in the CFL at one level. And I was for quite a while when I, when I look back as a player, then as executive member, president of the PA and did the VP of marketing for the players association. And I did some broadcast. Um, so I, you know, I, I feel like I had pretty deep roots and saw a 360 degree view. So my thought process was, you know what, just 
the business side always interested me. Um, and you know, I, I saw the good, I saw the bad, I saw the, everything in between. And, and I always say, if you, if you spend any time in the CFL, whether that's a player, a coach, an executive, a, a reporter, a broadcast, doesn't matter. You, you see a lot and <laughs> you've probably seen it all. So, um, when this opportunity came about, it came out by chance. Uh, it was a chance meeting, uh, with another business I was in with our founder, Richard Petko. He had owned a team at that point, still the Niagara River Lions, but in another league. And he wasn't happy with what, how things were going. And he basically introduced me to those people to be the commissioner of that league. And I didn't know anything about it. And I went and met everybody virtually and et cetera. And, uh, it just wasn't for me. And I had shared that with him and that started the connect the dots. So if you were to build something, how would you build it? And we kind of put our heads together. He had a great knowledge of, of the international game and, and the way it fit. And I had a, you know, a, a really good understanding of, of what to do, maybe what not to do more than anything. And, um, here we are, you know, five or six years later, taking it from the, the boardroom to, to the court. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of work as you can imagine. We didn't plan for COVID to interfere with two of our seasons, but, um, but we're alive and kicking, and I'm, I'm happy about that. Here's here's one. It might be a bit of a reach, but let's take a look. at You're a Canadian football player, and you get to play in the Canadian Football League. So there's an opportunity for you to advance beyond your university career in McMaster. So there's that opportunity. And I look at, I look at the CEBL. This is an opportunity for not everybody can make it to the NBA. So when you get through university and and what do you do if you're a basketball player and you can't quite get to the NBA, you need to have, if we're going to develop any game at any level, whether it's football, soccer, or basketball, you need to have good quality leagues at, at the Canadian level. And that, that to me is where the opportunity is. The opportunity was there for you to, to advance to the Canadian football league. And now we've got this, this is, uh, this is a ray of hope for a lot of really really fun basketball players to watch Mike. Absolutely. So this is doing for kids that are in love with basketball. What it did for me, for a kid that was in love with football, it it allows you an opportunity to go to an arena and watch professional basketball on a court in front of you played predominantly by Canadians at a high level and aspire to be that one day. So that's what it did for me at everyone stadium. When I was five years old, watching the tie cats and it, that became my dream and my goal, my, I wanted to be the next Rocky D Pietro. That's what I wanted to do. So, you know, that, that really is, you know, in a nutshell, what we do, what people don't understand is we have well over 200 international professional basketball players that play all over the world outside of the NBA. So we have a great core of NBA talent or NBA G league talent, a very, very strong core the second only to the U S and the entire world. Uh, but if you look at the Olympics or the world cups or the FIBA qualifiers, and you see the names of the top 20 countries that are ahead of us, they are names of countries. You're like, what? These guys are good at basketball. Like it doesn't make sense. But what they've had for centuries uh, and decades, primarily, maybe not centuries, but for decades and decades, is a strong domestic system that they build from within. So these players play together from when they're, you know, youngsters, men, women, uh, young and old. And then from that grows the elite teams. uh, And then to the professional team, you create that silo, almost the academy model you see in Europe, both on basketball and soccer. Um, and, and you grow from within. So your best talent has a chance to stay at home and, and play together. And, 
you know, we watched uh, probably most of us watched the Olympic qualifiers in Victoria where Canada fell up, fell short. A lot of that has obviously nothing to do with talent. I mean, it was a talented enough team. It has to do with cohesion and playing together and, and finding that time. So we're, we're aiding and helping Canada basketball, the, the federation to, to do this domestically and to grow it from within. Mike, uh, a little quick history before I, I ask this next question, because I think there's a sweet spot in uh, Canada for that you've grabbed, that you're in right now. I used to be the beat writer covering the Alberta Golden Bears. Yep. When I was covering that team, there was a little toddler named Jordan Baker wandering around the bench area while mom coached the pandas and dad helped out. Um, I always wondered, and there were some great players that went through those U of A teams under Don Horwood. Um, it's his birthday today. Yes, happy birthday, Don. There you go. Happy birthday, Don. <laughs> but I always thought, where are these guys going to go? Where can they play? Where can they make a living um, how did they get on the court? And there's been different leagues come and go. I thought a gimmick league, there was a six foot five and under league that started up in Edmonton, didn't fly. Um, how much did you look at past leagues, success and failures uh, in molding a place where the best university players have a chance to play a high level of basketball and stay in the country doing it? Yeah, that, that's exactly what we did. We spent a lot of time looking at those other leagues that have come over the last 25 years, come and gone, all of them for the most part. Um, and, and there were some interesting points that, that most of them had, if not all of them, that a lot of them were U.S.-based leagues that mm -hmm. just kind of floated some teams here in, in Canada and thought they can go to you know city council and municipalities and get some money to start up a team, and then six months later they're gone. Or, you know, it was a team made up of... of of Americans and in no disrespect, but you know, I, I, my CFL background, I know enough to say people come out. Sure. They can want to watch the high talented Americans. They want to watch the Xavier moons on, on, uh, on the stingers, but they want to come see the Jordan Bakers. That's who they know. That's who they've seen grow up. And, and Jordan, just so you know, outside of Xavier is probably my favorite player. Um, and then I got a, quite a few favorite players. I don't have any, you know, but I just love the way he plays. And here's a guy that he did leave uh, U of A and went to go play overseas for a bit, got hurt, got banged up, came home and realized uh, this probably isn't for me. And then our opportunity came in front of his door, you know, over three years ago. And look what he's done. I mean, he is, I'm not going to say he reinvented himself because he was always that player. No one had a chance to see him. So now, you know, friends and family and, and coworkers and, and people who went to school with or lived down the street from or whatever, now get to see Jordan Baker and really get to notice that man, this guy can play and not just him, but everyone else on the, on the rosters of our team. So that was incredibly important. So yes, there's a lot of us leagues that, that came in or they had some gimmicks or they weren't really invested in the communities they lived or they played in. They didn't really do much beyond um, just roll a basketball. So for us, it's different. It's certainly a league made by Canadians for Canadians predominantly. Um, we do have our, obviously our, our imports that play, but they're limited to three on our active roster. We are going to add an international spot, uh, moving forward because I mean, basketball is a global game and it's, it's not one you have to pretend or work to be global. It's just global and it's played everywhere in the world and, and it's not a problem. Um, but a lot of those leagues have, have had some hiccups 
And in defense, maybe of some of them, basketball 20 years ago isn't what basketball is today, right? Basketball in this country is far different. The players that play in our league are predominantly Vince Carter, Vince Carter era guys, right. guys that watched them as they were young kids growing up and said, I want to do what Vince did. They picked up a basketball. So if you can fast forward to a couple of years ago when the Raptors won the championship, that is going to create an amazing amount of talent or interested people of all levels, men, women, and otherwise into the future. So far, I'm not sure we'll ever be able to, you know, fully tap it. I just think the, the Rolodex of players that we have um, that want to play in our league is so deep and so vast. And, you know, we, we want to be careful as you expand, not to, not to thin out stuff. So we have, we have ways to do it, but the talent is there. It's never been showcased. And then our developmental talent, our partnership with U Sports, um, has really showed that, wow, these, these kids can actually play now, you know, and there's a direct pathway. You don't have to go to the U.S. Now, if you want to, by all means, no one's stopping you. But if you want to play in, uh, in the um, CBL, you can come right through U Sports and, and have a real opportunity to do it and do it well. You're coming off a championship weekend that was held in Edmonton, won by the Stingers. How I view it as being a very successful weekend for you guys. How do you view it? What, what's important for you? You're also on CBC, coast to coast in Canada, and that really has got to help as well. But how do you judge whether or not that was a success, and then how do you take it to the next step? Well, weird to say, but in times like this, the success is getting through it safely. Number one, that's probably your yeah. primary success, that you can actually execute and play all the games and do them well and have your festival, and, and there's no major outbreaks and no one's getting hurt. So that is of massive importance. But, you know, it, it's it's really, for us, because we've lived in COVID the last couple of years, you know, we can't always look to ticket sales because ticket sales basically evaporated, um, you know, 18, 19 months ago, as did sponsorship, and every, it's slowly coming back. And playing in Alberta was was a godsend in, in many respects because it opened earlier. So the, the people there got used to maybe it being a little bit more open. And over time, it became more comfortable. And you saw a ramp up in our attendance at the games. You know, it would grow by three or four or five hundred game over game until the point that we, you know, we had a just a tremendous crowd. Uh, the basketball was excellent. The quarterfinals, pardon me, the semifinals games were, were excellent games. The championship even in a blowout was an incredibly exciting game. And the venue at, at Hall D at the Expo Center is so intimate and inclusive that it creates this instant atmosphere. So even in a blowout, you know, you would still, the cheers were, were throughout, throughout the whole game. Um, so we look at it in a multitude of ways. I think obviously the safety, the fact that the fans came out, responded how they did. Uh, that our broadcast looked and sounded great, that the environment inside sounded great. We were able to bring in great entertainment and, and performers and really elevate our brand. Um, all those things combined uh, make it special. And, you know, I've been home for about a week now since there, and it's, it's, we just go right back to work. Like, there is no downtime. We just got to keep moving and pushing the ball up the court and see what happens. Well, Mike, as somebody who played and has been involved beyond the playing field in the CFL and now this league, you're acutely aware of just the fan experience. You know what you like. You know what people like. Uh, I've got to say this about the Edmonton experience as somebody who spent a lot of time in arenas over the years for different sports. Uh, I don't know what the benchmark is in, in your league, but... 
I have to give a shout out to the Edmonton Stinger group here. Uh, I find they're very fa- fan friendly. I hear it from fans. Uh, the odd person who comes up to me or remembers me as an old sports writer and um, <laughs> they do it right. The media relations people work hard. The game night experience, I think they work hard to do a good job. And um, if that's a baseline, this is going to be a league that uh, enjoys some growth and some success because um, it's very fan friendly. It's affordable. The venue's good. If you can replicate that around the league, I really think you're in business for a while. Well, well, thank you. And yes, the, the Stingers group does a tremendous job. And uh, I think if you go to our other venues, you'll see that replicated. Um, you know, each one of our teams can localize it and make it their own. I think that's the, the fun part of it. But they all have the same fundamentals. You know, it's kind of come for the party, stay for the game. And um, that's that's the fun part. When you go, it's, it's an atmosphere. We understand the basketball is exciting. You know, we've added stuff like the Elam ending to make the end way more exciting to me. That was, you know, I, I could have took some daggers for that a couple of years ago from coaches. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of saw the bigger picture and where where everything was going and hoping it would work out as it has. You know, we have a DJ that plays throughout the game. So there's constant entertainment and music. There's performers. But, you know, we just have good people and we do a lot with a little. Um, and we, we do that that way because we have to run and operate this league. And we want to be around for a long, long time. So by being fiscally responsible, um, that's not a bad thing because you wouldn't know it if you showed up to a game. You know, you would say, wow, I'm getting my money's worth. At least I hope that's what they say because, I, you know, that's the plan. And we'll continue to get better and better and better over time. Uh, we've invested in, in things like our own OTT platform. So we have a one-stop shopping. If you want to watch anything CBL related, you can come there and candidates free. You can see all the games and sponsored content and podcasts, etc. So we're trying to cater to our, our fan base and our fan base primarily is those 12, 13, 14, the teens and their parents. And when we signed, you know, Scarborough on and we had the OVO connection there with that group, that those kids got excited. Uh, And when Roy Woods came in to play, you know, our outdoor festival, those kids got excited. That's what they're excited about. Um, And it's complimentary to the game. So, you know, even the logos we used and why New Era got involved was, you know, it skewed a little bit younger. And that's where that's where we're living. But really, it's about delivering that in person and delivering that content at home or anywhere people want to view it. And, and so far we've done a really good job. I can't wait till it opens up to the point where um, we can have just a regular game again and a regular season. And, and that may not happen. It's going to be better going into this year, I hope, but you know, we may not be out of the woods for a little bit and I'm hoping all the work we did in the, in the interim is going to pay off. So you're flying out of here exactly a week ago today after having all the great stuff happen, are you the kind of guy that immediately starts thinking about, we could have done this better, we could have done that better, we could have done that? Or do you just go, wow, there's just so much positive to build off of? What kind of guy are you? <laughs> I, am, I am one that certainly appreciates you know, the, what we accomplished. And I'm very happy that we have such a tremendous staff that actually allows me or in our executive team to get our ideas out and, and, and created and uh, executed. But I'm also a guy that's already on to next year. Yes. <laughs> that's just the way I, I think by the time. Okay. I, I'll get, I'll give myself less than 24 hours and I was already worrying about what's going on, but that's just, 
that's just me. And I, it's not a bad thing. It doesn't bother me. It's how I operate and how I tick. And I got a group of people that think exactly the same way as I do. Mike, looking down that road, um, I'm curious what you see as uh, a successful league. I've seen in the past some leagues that I think the assumption can be bigger is better and they try and extend too far to something they're not to a crowd they can't reasonably be expected to deliver oh we need 12,000 in the building or 15,000 that basketball this decade is not that in Canada I'm sure you know that what do you want to be next year and say the year after the immediate future in terms of growth in terms of i mean what's a good crowd in your mind what is good coverage for each team no those are great questions because i you know we we know what our longer term goals are and our longer term goals are to be the best domestic league in this entire country regardless of sport that's where we want to get to and we want to be in in as many provinces as we can across the country but smartly uh, it does us no good just to bring people on board because they have a few bucks in their pocket and they can help us grow. And we add all these teams. We can't lose why we created the league. We can't lose the work that's put in to, to make us very pro Canadian and make us, you know, so important to the communities we play in. And, and I'm looking forward to that part is getting back into the communities, our players to get back in and feel like part of the fabric. Uh, we still fly under the radar a little bit, as, as you would know, from a media point of view, I want to increase that. And with that becomes more pressure, truthfully. I mean, yeah. we probably get away with more stuff now than we will in the future because maybe less people are looking and less people are poking. And that's, I get it. I understand. Um, but we just, we, we really want to work on, on adding our teams in a proper way by divesting some of our existing teams to external owners that will help us get better. So when we sell our teams, whether they're an existing team sold to a new uh, external partner or an expansion team sold to a new external partner, um, that comes with it, not just the purchase of the team, but also an equal purchase of the league. And that it was designed that way, very similar to MLS, because we want people to have a vested interest in the whole thing, not just their little piece, because it does nobody any good for somebody to, you know, if, if Edmonton wins and they have a, you know, a 19 in one season every year and it goes five years in a row, great for them, not but, great for everyone yeah, else. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I always say, if the home team wins, I'm happy. They can go 10 and 10 every single team. I'll figure out the tiebreakers <laughs> at the end. But uh, if the home team wins, we'll be happy. But our, we want to certainly, the one thing we're going to do, and we're going to do it sooner than later, is start to grow ourselves from a, you know, a three to four month league to a 12 month a year business, uh, introducing more international events and representing Canada on the international stage and hosting international events and looking at a second division model, um, for, to start creating that pipeline and that pathway. And we're working with Canada basketball on those things. And they've been a tremendous partner. And I think we both understand where we fit and we fit, you know, perfectly alongside one another to really help grow the game. Hey, before we let you go here, and we appreciate your time, when if you were to look back at, let's say, the last 20 years, and maybe even a little f- further back, so you're at McMaster University, you want to get to the CFL, and you play. You play, and at an extremely high level. I mean, you were the outstanding Canadian at one point in this league. Then you get hooked up with the Players Association at two different levels. Then there's broadcasting, and now this. That's a pretty good run, Mike. I, I guess so. You're blushing, uh, by the you know, way. I can see it. I can well, see it. 
because I don't take a lot of time to really, you know, think about it in that respect. I just, I'm just glad that I, I'm, I keep finding things that are interesting to me. The best part about this job is the creative, the create creative freedom I have. Um, and, and that means that every single day I'm not bound by somebody telling me what I can and can't do. We just kind of go. And, and that's a really important part of the job uh, for me. Um, you know, I, I always say we have no fear of failure. At least I don't. And I think that's probably because I failed a lot of times, you know, in many times, that's, that's the only way you learn. And I'm sure I'll fail again somewhere along the way. But, um, but you got to dust yourself off, pick yourself back up and, and, and really work hard. I have a lot of personal goals that in this job that I keep to myself, I, a lot of goals for this league that maybe I I could be more public about, um, because I want to manifest them by saying them. Um, and, and again, I I got people that feel and act the same way I do. And that's been the fun part. And we're going to add more pieces of that puzzle as, as we go along. You know, the cool thing when you look ahead, Mike, and you're younger than, than both Bryn and I. Notably younger. uh, (laughs) I'm getting there, boys. time, Time flies, but you recognize, um, the demographic you need to appeal to. And there's no longstanding playbook to deal with that demographic with social media and the way everything is turned upside down really in the last, I want to say three to five years, really. I mean, um, you've got a whole new audience out there that's been untapped until now. The old way of doing things wouldn't have appealed to the kids. So there is a market there. And and I mean, my 15 year old loves the league. We go, he's got the Baker Jersey. Uh, he plays ball. Um, he thinks it's terrific. Um, that's the future of this league. And when yep. kids are the future, you're in good shape. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I don't claim to know everything about I have, I have soon to be a teenager in this house and, and a young six year old. So I'm, I'm starting, I see it firsthand, but I, you know, I hire good people and, and I hire people that are more in tune with that generation, that demographic and, and what social media is and how people consume things. So I lean on them, but, but I also know we are not some of the other leagues that are out there because our fan base is far more diverse. Um, you know, this is a country built on immigration and immigrants come to this country and they understand soccer and they understand basketball and they understand cricket. And maybe they don't understand the mainstream sports that we're so accustomed to as North Americans. So that all plays into it as well. What we need to do, what I need to do specifically, and what I've been trying to do uh, during this COVID time through talking to uh, all political parties at all levels and all provinces is getting them to understand what is actually happening. That, you know, there isn't, this is an important fabric. You know, I would say soccer and basketball is an important part of the cultural makeup of this country. And it needs to be invested in at the same levels that hockey had been invested in. And if that ever happened, I can only imagine. I mean, we have 8,800 rinks or so in this country, some are outdoor and a bunch are indoor. There's no purpose-built basketball facility. There's no standalone facility. I guess Hall D would be the closest thing, you know, to to that. Um, So my hope is that we'll continue to lobby and get some of those, um, that, that infrastructure in place so we can really do all the things we'd like to do, not just as a league, but as a, as a sport and, uh, and for everybody that plays it. Thanks for your time today. Continued success. Anytime a guest can come on and, and drop a Rocky DiPietro uh, thing, 
a little plug. <laughs> I, I love, I think that's great. Uh, you know, it's been fantastic and we hope to have you on again some other time. Okay. Thanks guys. Much appreciated. Big thank you to Mike Morale and also to Rod Peterson for joining us on this, the 72nd edition of The Outsiders. Hey, Robin, before we start talking about a lot of other stuff, can, can I just say there's one thing that I've been really watching carefully over the last week, and that is the, the, the situation involving the Buffalo Sabres and Jack Eichel. It's like watching a slow motion car crash. This isn't going to end well for either of these two teams or the the two groups. And uh, the thing that I'm, I've been interested in following is I'm seeing the fan bases in Montreal and Calgary that seem to be so gung-ho on doing absolutely anything to get Jack Eichel into their particular team's lineup. And for, for me, I just don't think he's going to be as effective as people think he's going to be. And he's coming off that injury with the neck thing, right? Yeah, I, I tell you, I, I'm with you, Bryn. I am not, I mean, if I was a GM, unless the price was absolutely right, in other words, a steal at this point, I don't want a player with uh, neck problems and questions about his neck, uh, which last time I checked involves your spinal cord, uh, until I know it's not going to be chronic, until I know what the procedure is that ends up being done. Uh, this is not a, uh, you know, a broken finger or a bone that just needs to heal. Uh, this is your neck. And Jack Eichel to me is not worth taking any kind of chance on until we know uh, what gets done with that neck and who does it and how it's done. I can't quite grasp why the Montreal fan base is so hungry to get him. I know that they got a taste of things last year. It didn't, or this past season didn't quite work out the way they wanted. However, they, they were on an incredible run. But in Calgary, my sense on this is there's a level of panic. Hasn't been a particularly awesome offseason, whether it's positive or negative. They haven't, re- impactful is the word I'm looking for. It, it's been kind of a bleh kind of off season and, and I guess the fan base is looking to shake up the the jigsaw puzzle box a little bit but I just don't know how far I'd be prepared to go to get Jack Eichel playing for the Calgary Flames at this point no and same apply you know same applies to the Flames as far as I'm concerned Brent the problem uh you mentioned Montreal and Calgary the ex expectations are high are always high in Montreal even if they're not uh, realistic I mean there's a certain level of expectation there the, it, the roster doesn't matter you need to win hockey games so uh, mediocrity is not uh, does not go over uh, in that town down the road in Calgary to me uh, and I'm not just pissed because I was so wrong on them going into last season to me, the Flames were a massive disappointment. I didn't have them winning the, you know, the new alignment in the North Division, but I certainly didn't have them 
missing the playoffs, uh, even though they fired a coach, uh, and and we you know when they brought in Sutter, I thought Sutter would turn things around there. This is this is not a team uh, that's headed in the right direction, in my estimation. So I can see why they're nervous, but really. All they're doing if they get too jumpy on a guy like Jack Eichel and take a chance is they're, they're, they're looking at somebody throwing them an anchor, and they don't need that right now. It's one thing to bring Jack Eichel in. I guess the real question mark is going to be who you going to give up to get him, mm-hmm. and uh, you're going to be weighing the options on that for quite some time. I, I got I to think something is going to have to happen here in the next couple of weeks, or there's really going to be a messy preseason and training camp in Buffalo because you're going to have a guy who's going to be toxic in that lineup. And yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. Hey, one, I just want to quickly address one thing. Cause what I obviously I worked at sports at nine sixty, the fan in Calgary, and I really enjoyed my time in Calgary, but I came back for personal reasons, but I, uh, I still have 38% of my Twitter followers are from Calgary. I was convinced when I left there that a lot of those guys who I've really enjoyed, you know, uh, bantering with online. I was convinced a lot of those guys were going to bolt and leave me, and they haven't, and I appreciate that very much. I just wanted to send a big thank you out to all of those guys for the feedback that I, that I continually get out of Calgary because I still care about what goes on there. I care about what goes on around the league, but obviously in the places that I've worked, I have a little more intense interest, but I just wanted to say uh, thank you for sticking with me and the other thing too uh you can check us out on twitter the handle's really simple it's at outsiders 2020 and we would ask you to tell all your friends to subscribe or follow us our rss feed is on any of your favorite ear candy sites apple google spotify pocket casts we're even on youtube and uh and your support is greatly appreciated it's uh it's here we are we're about to go into the fall session and i'm kind of looking forward to it this year last year i was a little nervous about it with the way covid was shaking down my health didn't help either i guess but uh, Mm -hmm. i'm really looking forward to the month of september robin well absolutely i'm I'm looking forward to getting back on a normal uh, timeline uh in our world of sports i mean there's more important things happening but we're starting uh rates willing i'll just leave it at that yeah to return to what i hope is we call it the new normal but you know i want to see a a hockey schedule come out at roughly the time we're used to it with a full season played you know the cfl is going through a shortened season right now but yeah let's uh, uh let's look ahead and september is is generally a good time i hope it marks a good time for everybody now because really uh there's lots of reason not to look back and a whole lot of reason to look ahead Speaking of looking ahead, that's what we are doing going into the upcoming fall and winter season, and your support greatly appreciated, as I pointed out. We, uh, uh, we'd we also be thrilled to talk to potential advertising partners. We're going to be doing a fair bit of that coming up in the month of September, looking to add some new features. And if you're interested in sponsoring one, make sure you get a hold of us right here. Uh, just go through, uh, through our Twitter account. That would be uh, just as effective. But uh, anyway, the, the, big, the big thing is to have everybody retweet uh, and make sure that your buddies are aware that uh, our uh, that that our podcast is here and our audience is growing every week. And uh, in fact, the last week, and I'm going to go back to this. We had Dave Tippett on, 
we uh, we set an all-time download record for our podcast i'd like to think that some of that is us but a great deal of it had to do with the guests we had on and we appreciate that as well the oilers setting us up with dave but uh, it just tells me that we're growing and growing we've kind of got through a, a tough period but uh, this has been fun for me rob and i i'm sure you feel the same way yeah absolutely brennan i won't say too much because we don't want to uh, jump the shark here but uh, hopefully we've got some uh, good news in September and beyond about uh, improvements you've, you've referred to uh, in the past and changes and upgrades and all kinds of stuff that affect the podcast. Uh, we want to grow. Uh, I think we're on the right track and uh, the numbers tell us that we are too. So there's some uh, interesting uh, times ahead for sure. Enjoy your Labor Day classics wherever you are across the country. And the TV ratings are being uh, really hailed as quite strong in the Canadian Football League. And that's great. But you got to get out and support the franchises as well. Uh, Thanks uh, for your uh, listening and your patronage. We appreciate that. Robin, enjoy the long weekend. We are back next Tuesday, not the traditional Monday. We're back on the Tuesday. So we'll talk to you next week, Robin. We sure will, pal. See you then. Storm in the castle.